This is just a reminder, you are worth more than just your credit score, but having a good one can be an added bonus. You're listening to Unsweetened and Unfiltered, the podcast, episode 25 of season two. In today's episode, we speak to Kenya Imani about setting financial life goals, tips to manage our savings and invest, and how to break up with debt for good. Hey, it's Danielle and Zaina, and welcome to Unsweetened and Unfiltered, the podcast where we elevate the voices of women by sharing their stories of struggle while also highlighting their success. We wanted to create a space for women to feel like they're not alone in whatever hardship they may be facing. Some conversations may be lighthearted, while others may touch upon taboo topics ranging from mental health to women's bodies and spiritual struggles, and we don't shy away from any of it. But our overall mission is to make every woman realize that she is not alone. We are all in this together, I promise. Our sole purpose is to build relationships, not barriers, between you and the woman who may need you. We're here to provide inspiration and to build courage. Tune in every Wednesday where we'll feature an insightful guest who will help us reach these goals. We laugh, we ugly cry, and we'll probably laugh some more. So plug in your headphones, grab your favorite cup of coffee or shea, and get ready to become a part of this unbreakable sisterhood. You are tuning into season two of Unsweetened and Unfiltered. So Zaina, this might be a personal question, but how much weight have you put on in the past few months? What? This is not a question you ask somebody. No, definitely not on air. <laughs> but what I'm talking about is actually your mental weight. And that's something that we don't talk about or we don't even focus on. We focus more so on our physical weight. But how much mental weight do you think you've put on since the start of this pandemic, since the start of just basically everything going downhill? God, it's a lot. Like you said, we don't realize how much we're consuming mentally during this time where like everything is uncertain, everything is up in the air. We don't know what's going to happen next. We're trying to stay safe. Basically. So Zane and I have listened to a podcast in the past week and it brought up the concept of mental weight. And it was just such a profound conversation. And we thought, why not talk about it? But we were like focusing on just recently our mental weight, our physical weight, and just our overall health. And I realized, you know, they are intertwined. Our physical and mental health are truly intertwined. If you are affected mentally, your physical health is also going to decline. You're going to feel a lot of pain, physical pain, if you are carrying so much stress and burden. But on the flip side, if you're doing good mentally and you're, or you're, you know, exercising and you feel good about yourself, then mentally you'll start to also feel better. But you don't think so much about your mental weight and what makes up your mental weight. We never think about what makes us put on mental weight. We need to look at it the same way we look at physical weight. Yeah. What we consume and what we take in really does affect our mental health in all aspects. So basically there's three different parts that make up our mental weight and that includes your past mistakes and failures and how often do we kind of live in the past. We always say what if or if only I did this differently, if only I you know, went that route and not this route, that can take a toll on us. Another aspect is emotional baggage. This one's also a little bit harder. It deals with grief, like losing a loved one, ending a relationship, which we've, we've talked about on this podcast. That can also be hard and everybody kind of goes on this journey in their own way. 
Then last but not least is long-term trauma or just trauma in general. Um, sometimes this obviously includes childhood trauma. So all this stuff can kind of, you know, hinder you mentally. It can put all that weight onto you. And it's just, it's sometimes it's unbearable if you don't talk to anybody about this. No, and I was actually having a conversation the other day with one of my coworkers. And I we were talking about how much we consume when we're at work. I work in the news. And for a lot of you guys sitting at home, it's easy to just turn off the TV, close your laptop and kind of like get away from the news. But for us, that's all we focus on 24-7. And it can be a lot. Like you live in the newsroom. You, yes. And it's it's very difficult to consume all of that negativity. You know, with COVID, there's, in Chicago, it's been a very violent summer. Just children are dying constantly here. And it's been a lot to take in. But while you're at work, you kind of become so focused on the assignment that you're not really focused on what you're reporting or what you're talking about. And it's not until I get home and I kind of like unwind and look back at what I consumed that day, then I realized how much of an impact it really has on my mental health. It's so interesting. So it's like basically while you're at work, you're desensitized to everything that you're reporting exactly. on because you was just, I don't want to say just another news story, but at that moment, it feels that way because you have deadlines and whatnot. Exactly. Then when you go home, you realize, oh no, I just reported on a child getting shot in Chicago. Exactly. Like, that's hard. That's it is hard very stuff. hard. And you know, you get home, you unwind and you're supposed to kind of like relax and and kind of like mentally take a break once you're home. But for me, it's kind of unpacking all that baggage that I've been carrying around since 9 a.m. And it's right before you go to sleep. So it's it's a lot that goes through your mind at that moment. So basically everyone that's listening right now, they're saying, okay, what can we do about this? Because <laughs> this is depressing. Exactly. But it was interesting because there's two different things that you can, two different routes that you can go about, you know, taking care of your mental weight and taking off this mental weight. One of them is keeping a mental diary. I know that sounds like even heavier, like, oh, I'm dealing with mental weight and you're asking me to keep a diary. But you guys, it's super important. And I realize this. And the only reason why I realized how important this is is because recently when I started like going outside, running, walking, whatever it is, I realized in that moment, that's when I was like the happiest, when I feel good. I feel good about myself. I'm more optimistic. So what this podcast episode was talking about is like if you keep a mental diary, you're basically keeping a diary of your day-to-day patterns. Like focus on what things during your day are bringing you down and what things are uplifting your mood, putting you in a better mood. And for me, it's like talking to my girlfriends that, you know, puts us in a better mood. Honestly, coming here and recording episodes and knowing that we're going to talk to incredible guests, that puts me in a better mood. Things that don't put me in a better mood, my job, but hey, we'll deal with that <laughs> later. That's not bringing, that's not, you know, bringing peace or whatever to my life. But that's why you have to kind of pay attention. And that's why it's super important. We've emphasized this so many times in different episodes to live in the present moment. What are your thoughts on like having a mental diary, Zena? Does this make sense for you? It does make sense. I've never thought of it like I've obviously tracked my calories before and there's so many apps that help you do that but there's nothing like this and I think it's something as simple as pulling up the notes feature on your phone and kind of like writing down it doesn't have to be like instantly okay I just did the dishes how does that make me feel but it's kind of I think once you get in the habit of really processing what you've done it can help you detect patterns I think in in both good and bad and I think it can help you stop because you know even going on Instagram it's how do you feel when you're scrolling through Instagram? And that's what he said. He's like, Instagram could be good or bad. It's up to you and how you use it and what you follow and who you follow and everything like that. Exactly. So he's like, just look at everything that you're doing day to day. And there's this exercise right now, if you guys can do this, but just put your hand on your heart, your right hand on your heart. Don't laugh at me, I pledge of allegiance. I got here. And all you have to say is, it's so simple, just a simple sentence, but it really grounds you. All you have to say is, I am exactly where I need to be, not ahead or behind. 
And that's such a powerful statement because you and I, even though we've sat with incredible women who told us, hey, this is why it's important to live in the present, sometimes our mind kind of, you know, it still goes back in the past, it still wants to go in the future, but you don't exist in the future. And the person that was existing in the past doesn't exist anymore. So live in the present moment, think about where you are right now, and understand that there is a reason why you are where you are right now. Exactly. I think we're constantly in a state of, I don't want to be here. I want to be somewhere else, even though we don't know where that somewhere else even is. And that somewhere else probably doesn't even exist. And I think this is something that I've been practicing, even when I'm spending time with family, just kind of putting my phone away and really being grounded in in that moment. And you enjoy it so much better than if you were checking your notifications constantly or looking at your email. It's, it really takes away from those moments that are really special and you had a post on it and everybody look resonate with your post about just like turning your phone off for just sometimes a, you need that a few hours there was another podcast you guys i don't want to like go off on a tangent but they were also talking about how important it is that when you start your day literally just for a few hours don't even look at your phone just whatever news that if it's something that just whatever it is just put off to the side for a little bit enjoy your morning one or two hours without your phone and see what difference it makes for you on a weekly basis and they've said that honestly studies show that it really really impacts your mental health in such a better way the second part for this solution you guys is creating a mental diet Zena was talking (laughs) about how much she consumes the news at her job and sometimes it's unavoidable it's part of your job but let's think about ingredients that can make your day better because I sure as hell know what ingredients makes my pizza taste better so what ingredients will allow my mind to be more relaxed and happier that's something that we need to also focus on what are things in your day-to-day task life that you want to implement on a daily basis like i said is it running is it reading is it just taking an hour and listening to an informational podcast is it taking um, another hour and listening to our podcast yeah. who knows yeah i think it's uh something that we really do need to sit down with ourselves and figure out what makes us happy, what brings us the right kind of energy that we need, especially at the end of the day. And I think for me, that is coming home and putting away my phone because I've been so indulged in the news. The last thing I need is more notifications and spending time with family. And right now that is virtually because of what's going on. But I think implementing things that make you feel good and finding ways to kind of balance out what makes you feel bad will improve your mental state so like drastically like make an effort to listen watch and read things that are inspirational and Mm. positive i think oftentimes we do consume what's going on in the world and it's really hard and the news isn't that great these days make an effort Find something that is inspirational, that is positive, that can uplift you. Even listen to lectures, even if you want to listen to Islamic lectures or something like that. Or like we've been reading Secrets of Divine Love. We absolutely love that book. Um, make sure you guys tune into our last conversation, um, our last episode with Mae Kalamea. It was, incredible. It was yeah. incredible. A lot of people resonate with what May had to say because she was very vulnerable and honest with her spiritual journey. Um, not a lot of people are very open about, you know, their, their I guess, their yeah. struggles, yeah, with becoming more spiritual and one but it was so beautiful what she said so so many women have dm'd us just telling us how much they needed to hear that so make sure you guys listen read and watch things that really uplift your mood i think it's super important and then who are you surrounded by Zena? that's awesome that you're talking to your family but there are people who might be surrounded by people who actually drain them rather than drive them be around people who drive you to be your very best and to go after your dreams and your passions and to always be in a better mood and a good mood and they're there surrounding you with just you know love and that's what you need right now don't surround yourself with people who drain you inshallah we can have a future episode about boundaries i think this is something that as you know arab woman it's hard to create boundaries like we don't almost non-existent it's non-existent in our culture so it's like we'll definitely talk about that but 
I hope this helped you guys because this was for me a conversation that I really wanted to have with Zaina because I was like, oh my God, listen to this podcast. I absolutely love this topic. So it's like, I hope other people can benefit from it. For today's episode, this one's definitely beneficial. We're going to talk about our finances. We're going to talk about that money in your wallet, Zaina, that money (laughs) in your bank account. And we have a very special guest. Her name is Kenya Amani. She's a financial coach and healer. And it is a really, really good conversation, you guys. This is a conversation, like I mentioned in this episode, that we should have had so long ago. And I'm so happy that people are finally being open and honest about what troubles and what struggles they're facing with their finances and in loans and debt. And I feel like this is something that will not only benefit people our age, but also those older. And I hope that if you have a younger sister or a daughter, that you pull her into the room and have her listen because dealing with student loans and dealing with credit scores and they don't teach that in school when they definitely should and I feel like this conversation is something that will help them inshallah you know you're it's never too early and it's never too late to learn about your finances and to take care of your finances um if you guys want to check out Kenya's Instagram page while we are you know about to dive into the episode her Instagram is Kenya k-e-n-y-a dot Imani i-m-a-n-i Also, we have a very exclusive special message for you guys in our afterthoughts, so make sure you guys stick around. Um, We definitely will talk a little bit more about this episode, and we'll talk about this exclusive piece that we have just for you guys, because you guys have always been there for us, and you guys are amazing, so we hope that this is also just an added bonus just for you guys being our listeners. Are you ready to dive in? Let's do it. This is such an important conversation that I feel like we often kind of avoid having. Money isn't something that we, especially in our community, discuss openly. So I'm so happy, Kenya, that you're joining us today to talk about this. But before we get into it all, do you mind just introducing yourself? Yeah, I'm so happy to finally be here as well to talk about um, such a topic that is very close to me. So originally, I'm from North Carolina uh, here in the United States, and I, you know, I went to undergrad, I went to grad school, and I currently live in Florida, and my education is in higher education administration. So before I was a full-time financial coach, I worked at colleges and universities in social justice education. So I kind of already have the background of like, you know, inequity and injustices in the world. And then I, you know, found my really gifts and love of helping people with their money, but not just, you know, the spreadsheets and the budgets, you know, all that cut and dry stuff, but also financial healing, getting deeper into what are some limiting beliefs that we all have around money that's kind of keeping us behind um, in a multitude of ways. So During COVID-19, I started my business, left my job, moved abroad, and I'm a full-time financial coach, financial educator, consultant, mentor, guide, all of these things. Um, And it really all started because I was unhappy in my job and I said, you know, I want to travel the world. But I had about $14,000 in credit card debt and that, that had been like revolving for about two years. And I was like, I can't go abroad and still have these credit card bills. So I was like, I need to do what I need to do to pay off these credit cards and then I can leave. So I, that way I posted my journey on Instagram. I started following the debt free community on Instagram, which I did not even know was a thing. And then, you know, my community, they saw I was doing this. They saw I was good at it. And then they wanted my help. And then I was like, oh my God, I, there's such a thing as a financial coach and I can do this and I can love this and be paid my worth and do it anywhere in the world. So... That's pretty much how I kind of got here. 
you know, it's not always just the budgeting and, and like you said, the spreadsheets and everything like that. It's a little bit, it's more deeper than that. And I think the reason why we avoid it is because of the deeper issues yeah. and the stigma. And, you know, we always say we like to discuss taboo topics on our podcast and it just, it hit me. I was like, money is a taboo topic Absolutely. within our community and across all communities. Nobody wants to talk about their financial struggles, but a lot of people make it seem like they're not struggling. But honestly, deep down, we all have some credit card debt and we want to get rid of it. And we have some student loan debt. You know, sometimes, you know, discussing your money situation can be triggering, can be stressful, especially in minority communities or communities of minorities. I think that's super important so they don't feel alone when it comes to the money situation that they're in right now. Yeah. So first off, there's a lot of shame around money. So you talk about the things that are deeper than the budgeting. It's it's shame. It's embarrassment. It's guilt. It's resentment. I call I need to trademark this. Actually, I call it redebtment because debt is just, you know, you're seeing your past mistakes sometimes or your past purchases into the future, into the present, especially you know, for women of color, especially, and then minorities and other marginalized populations, there's a lot of systemic racism and oppression that's happening that keeps us in situations or puts us in situations in which we need to rely on things like credit and things like loans. And we have been, you know, taught and brought up in this world to think, oh, loans are okay. Credit is okay. There's such a good thing as a good debt. And it's really, and then when we find out, okay, well, this was supposed to be a good thing. I was supposed to take out these student loans, but yeah, I feel like crap because they're going to be here forever. I feel like I'm trapped because I always have these student loans. They don't know how to deal with these things. We don't know how to process. And the one thing, I think the very first thing, you know, I would like to say to anyone is that first off, you're not alone. And secondly, it's not your fault. I hear a lot of shoulds with money and it's not your fault. How could it be your fault? We weren't taught about money in school. Our parents weren't taught money. Their parents weren't taught money. And and this is even if your parents are well off, you know, even if you grew up middle class, you know, upper class, it doesn't mean that you were taught how to manage money. You just had money. You're not alone. You didn't know. You shouldn't. You couldn't know. You were not raised to know. And so let's just stop right there and thinking I should know these things about money. You shouldn't because you didn't you weren't given the opportunity. And a lot of times the most marginalized populations like people of color, immigrants, first generation immigrants, and especially women are the most impacted by these financial kind of like traps that we have in, in our society. I like that you mentioned the systematic racism and the fact that, you know, of course, everyone struggles with this, whether you are well off or whether, you know, you're not making as much as you should or you want to. But I feel like it is harder for minorities and people of that low class income because they have to, like you said, they have to take out those loans. They have to rely on that stuff. And applying for colleges when I was a senior in high school, no one ever sat me down and told me, this is what loans are. This is what you're going to have to be paying back in 10 plus years. Like no one ever really sat me down and talked to me about that. And I feel like people who, you know, are struggling financially have more, have to deal with that more than anybody else. The people that struggle the most financially, whether that's from childhood up until now into adulthood, they're honestly the most financially savvy people because they've had to be resilient. They've had to, and I've been there, you know, I've had to budget literally to the very last penny and I was able, you know, to save money and travel and all that stuff. And I also budgeted to the last penny and I was still in debt. And so it's it's really a sur- at this point, it's like financial survival sometimes. And then we're made to feel bad because, oh, you have debt. 
oh, you have student loans or, you know, you didn't get, you know, this thing from your parents or, or stuff like that. And it's, yeah, it's, I, so I want people who, um, who may be low income or impacted the most that like, you're one of the smart, the most financially savvy people out there. Um, you just need more of the kind of like tools and like textbook things to start navigating the systems, but you already have the discipline and the resilience to get through things. I agree with both of you ladies because honestly, and not even student loans because that is traumatizing for me because at my age, I'm still dealing with student loans. And to be honest, I don't know if I'm sh- I should be paying them off or not. Like, are we canceling student loan debt or not? <laughs> like, it's just, you don't know every day you're listening to the news and you're waiting for that headline to come through. It's not yet, yeah. but hopefully soon. So that's why I'm like on edge. Obviously, I'm still like paying it off. But again, I would be more inclined to pay it off knowing that I there's no such thing as student loan cancellation or anything like that. But what I really want to talk about also is when I first had my first ever job, you guys, my paycheck, I swear to God, and I worked in the mall. I think that's what made it the worst thing ever. I worked in the mall. My paycheck, as soon as it would hit my account, I would just go and shop because as somebody who is 17, nobody really taught me. I know. Okay. My mom always used to tell me like save, 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 but there was nothing more than that. That's all she told me was save. But as a, as somebody who's 17 and who has her first paycheck, her first job, and you're you're in the mall, of course, I literally just spent every dollar. How, <laughs> how much can that impact you in, in the long run, basically just spending more or above your means? Like I, I know sometimes in the moment we make these impulse purchases, even when we're young and even sometimes today, these days. How can we realize like what you're purchasing right now can actually impact you if you are trying to live above your means? That's that's a good point. So first off, we talk about living be- living above your means. You have to know what are your means to begin with. And that starts with income. A lot of people don't look at their paycheck. They don't know what's being taken out. They don't know their deductions. And especially if you're working like an hourly job, you're getting fluctuating pay. I still know people that even if they're salary, they don't really know exactly what's going to come. And so first off, you know, take that leap and look at your bank account, look at your direct deposit slip or, you know, just to see what do you, what am I working with here? Then we determine, let's start looking into your bills because the thing is when you got your paycheck and you went shopping in the mall, you didn't think about any of your bills. You probably didn't even have any bills and that's okay. But however, cause I talked to college students about this as well. The, your biggest expense as a college student, you know, or just a student and you just have a nice job to give you some spending money, you should be saving. I always say, I wish I started saving at 15 when I got my very, I had two jobs. The first time I got a job, I had two jobs and I wish that I started saving. And so let's start with saving a little bit of money first. And let me tell you why, because you said your mom told you save, 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 but here's why. Because money is power and money can give you the power and the freedom to not work, to take time off, to book a flight instead of having to drive because it's cheaper, to buy the more expensive laptop instead of the cheaper one, then you have to get another one two years later. Like you're trying to you're trying to give yourself choices in life and you can do that by saving a little bit of money. And people are like, well, I, I can only save $5. Okay, that's great. You have to start small. You have to start building the habits. And so when we talk about spending all of our money come payday, you built up a habit of just spending and, and I think people people are honestly, you know, it's a taboo topic to talk about money and we're scared of money because there's so much so many messages around it. You know, what if it's not here for me? Will I have the same amount of money 6 months from now? What if I need this money for something else? And so we're so scared. What do you do when you're scared? You push things away. You push it out. And so we get it and we're like, "Well, I don't know how long I'm going to have it, so I'm just going to buy everything that I think I need right now, even if I don't know for sure if I need it." 
but I think I do. So I'm buy this clothes, I'm gonna buy this dress, I'm gonna buy all these groceries and then have some food waste, whatever. So we've built up these habits of spend, 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 spend. And a lot of times for so long, that's all we think money is good for. You, even though we hear save and retirement and invest, we haven't built those, you know, that muscle memory yet. So we're spending money. I think a lot of people are realizing the importance of saving money, especially now because a lot of people have lost their jobs unexpectedly. Yeah. Just like within a blink of an eye, everything so has changed true. and a lot of lives have been turned upside down. So I think the importance of saving money for a rainy day and you don't know how long or how many rainy days you can have, I think it's coming into everyone's vision right now. Like we should set aside money for rainy days because you never know. No one ever predicted a pandemic and the, the amount of unemployed people we have in this country right now. Financial stress is truly a thing. And there are so many people that are dealing with that right now. And there's, I don't want to see dealing, just struggling with that right now. And it's, it's to the point of what you were saying, like, yeah, we, we developed this habit of spending and now look at where we are. We kind of feel like we're tied to whatever corporate job we have because this is the only thing we can have. And to your point, Zena, yeah, imagine quitting now and trying to find a job or whatever. I mean, Kenya, you're a boss lady right here. <laughs> you did it. I wish I could do what you do or what you did because that's incredible but it's like when you think about debt another horrible side of debt is the fact that it can constrict you and further you away from your life goals can we talk about that yes because that's how I feel I feel like this is not where I envisioned my life but if I saved when I was 17 yes 100% so I would not be working yeah. for corporate America I would really be enjoying my life I'm not saying just sipping a virgin pina colada on a beach but it's <laughs> true I would not be working in a cubicle either you know exactly yeah and, and I mean you really truly hit the nail on the head like this is why I do what I do it's not for people to be billionaires and to be millionaires and to necessarily build gross amounts of wealth it's because I saw within myself first that this debt was holding me back from my own self-actualization my personal power going after the life that I wanted to lead which is like you said it's not just you know I I prefer a virgin mojito <laughs> on, but it's more it's the freedom because what what happened is I felt stuck in a job I could not leave my job when I wanted to because I had to pay off this debt I had to get a roommate because I wanted to pay off this debt. And it's, sometimes it's not just a job. Sometimes it's a location. You got to stay in, in this apartment because you can't get another one. You have to stay in this town. You know, in some cases and scenarios, it's a relationship. Yes. I have to stay in this relationship because I can't afford to live alone, especially in this economy. I can't afford to live alone. And, and what I, I don't ever want people to feel suffocated, stressed, or trapped because of money. So instead of, I always say, instead of seeing money as a barrier, we're going to start using money as a tool for you to start creating the life that you want to lead. And that's what I'm doing. I'm using it as a tool to create the life that I want. And I'm helping all my clients do the same. That's incredible, Kenya. And I like that you talked about relationships because I know Far too many women, you know, talking to them through the podcast at times, there's a lot of women that are, are unfortunately in abusive relationships or marriages that are obviously just now hit a dead end. And they feel inclined to stick it out with this person because they're financially dependent on them. You know, they got married. And again, rainy days, like you said, Zena, sometimes can happen within a within a marriage. And then you realize 
I have zero dollars to my name. Yes, he gave me his credit card. Yes, he gave me his bank account, but it's all his. So he almost kind of, this person had power over me. Again, vice versa, you know, it could happen the other way around. But again, this podcast is for women and I want to speak to the women who do feel like they're financially dependent and they do feel like they are stuck in a relationship. So hopefully these tools and these tips that you're going to give us can truly, truly help them out because I never, I think that's the one thing that my dad always taught me to be financially independent and I never knew how important it was when I was young. I, I just never realized it. and he's like, please get your education. He's like, that's just the one thing that you need to get. You start from there and then yeah, it's just you do feel more independent and you can obviously take care of yourself. When we talk about our worth, when it comes to our bank accounts, the way I used to see mm-hmm. it is I would look at my bank account and I would see what's in my checking and savings. And that's how I'd base off of how like how much money I guess I have. But that's not necessarily it. There's a bigger picture. You're only focusing on one part of it. Can we talk about net worth and how we can calculate that? Yeah. So net worth is, you know, very simply your assets minus your liabilities. So what are assets? Assets are things that make you money that build your wealth. I'm actually, I'm reading a book right now that kind of digs a bit deeper into assets. Right now we see it as, you know, your car could be an asset. If you own your car, it's an asset. You own your home, it's an asset. Uh, you know, with Muslims, like gold, jewelry, it's it's assets, money in the bank, and their your investments are all, or rental properties as well, all assets that essentially are making you money. Liabilities are things that take money out of your bank accounts. So not necessarily bills like your mortgage and, and you know, um, your light bill and stuff, because you have to pay those. Unfortunately, we have to mm-hmm. live um, in that more so like your debt, more so like, you know, uh, expenses, like even like childcare, which is uh, ridiculously high in this country. They're a liability. If you stopped working tomorrow, you're going to have these people on your phone saying, where's our money? You know, student loans, credit card debt, auto loans, all these things, things that can become negative and go into collections on your account liabilities. So we, we, t- we think about our net worth. So it's not just the money that's in your account. I would even say, especially for like beginners, your available credit can be an asset for some people, especially with unemployment happening right now. So say you even did have some savings, but that has run out. Maybe you have some credit on your credit card that's available to at least help you survive. That could be an asset. But just in the simplest definition, it's just your assets minus your, minus your liabilities. So I will go deeper and say, so let's start, let's just start with a car. People are like, oh, I, I my car is an asset for me now because I own it. Owning means it's an asset. Not necessarily because every car that you buy, it depreciates as soon as it's off the lot. So my car was almost like 38, 30, I don't know, something in the middle, 32 between $38,000. I'm about to sell my car and I'll, all I want is $10,000 for it. Yeah. I lost money by buying that car outright. I was, I've been the only owner, but a used car, it has that, you know, that's an investment that you're not putting too much money in and it's not making you money, but it's not taking as much money away. Let's talk about your home. So yes, people, you know, they buy homes, they have a mortgage. So when you have a mortgage, your bank essentially owns that home still. When you've paid off that mortgage, you don't have to pay anybody else. That is, it's more so of an asset. I will say though, even when you still have a mortgage, the equity that you bring into your home over time, that's also an asset. That's earning you money because your house appreciating 
in value. So when you're ready to sell it, hopefully you're going to get a profit. Yes. But yeah, that that is net worth essentially. And that is what we should be using to determine our wealth. But let me tell you something that I have not put on my Instagram page yet. I'm breaking up with net worth. And this is why, because I was saying, oh, I want to, I want a seven figure net worth, blah, 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 blah. I'm breaking up with it because I don't care about that. Mm-hmm. We have, when we think about success, when we think about money, I really care about being able to support myself, support my family, still live the life I want to lead, give in charity and, you know, be able to go on Hodge and be done with it. I don't need a seven figure net worth to achieve that, nor does that net worth determine my personal worth either. So net worth is usually usually used, especially when you're trying to get a home, like you're trying to apply for a mortgage. But other than that, it's it's not really that important. Now let's think when we're that's we're gonna go into like financial independence and what that means to be able to have enough money that you can do whatever you want, not have to work, be work optional. But essentially your net worth is just a way for us to see, well, how much is everything that you own, which we own a lot of stuff, especially in America, how much is it worth? How much are you monetarily worth? And a lot of times people stress out about net worth because student loans, that's a negative, that's a liability. Credit card debt, that's a liability. Your auto loan, it's a liability. And they're like, oh my God, I have a negative net worth. Like I need to get to, you know, and the funny thing is, even if I paid off, you know, all my debt right now, Mm -hmm. like my student loans, I'd have a zero net worth. I'd still be broke essentially. So that's why I'm breaking up with it. It doesn't determine anything for me. The only way that it actually does help is just seeing the bigger picture, not just honing in on, I guess, your account so you know what you owe to, I guess. Because that's sometimes, yeah, sometimes I don't factor in my debt when I look at (laughs) how much money I have. I just look, oh, I have this much in my checking today. I got paid. But it's like, yeah, but then there's all these debts that you forgot At the end of the month that you're going to have to pay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I totally agree with you. We should break up with our net worth that that money should not be tied. It shouldn't tie us down. It should just be an overall picture of like where you can kind of gauge yourself and where you're at and where to start. Maybe it's like a a beginning point, but it's not the end all be all. And I think that brings us into budgeting. And I think this is something like we have to factor in budgets into account. Like I remember planning my wedding. My husband's like, okay, let's sit down and budget. And I'm like, why? And you don't realize the, no, but you don't realize the importance of like spending an extra $5 here, spending an extra $100 here, like even stopping on your way to for coffee every morning that's five dollars out of your account every single day for 365 days a year i just feel like like i said we're not taught how to budget in school and then we become adults and we're like okay how do i create a plan where i can like we said live within my means but still splurge on things that i want to splurge on how do i save that money for rainy days can we talk about budgets and just how important they are and how important it becomes something that we do um, on just the regular. to know where our money is even going yeah exactly. like you said the coffee i do that all the time yeah. and i'm like but you don't think of you it it becomes think. a habit again and then you just don't think of it. that's such a good question zayna so first off people don't know where their money is going you know and at the end of the month they're like i don't know where my money went i budgeted but i still don't know where it went so yes we need a budget to kind of give us essentially a budget is a plan that's it you know, we plan for everything else. You planned your wedding. We plan, you know, our major when we go to school and our degree. We plan our vacations. Plan your money. Yes, that stuff is so important. Plan it out. Also, I think a lot of, and I posted on this on my Instagram, a lot of people think that the budget is supposed to be the end all be all as well, or that the budget is supposed to rule you. You rule the budget. You tell your money where to go. You're the boss of your money. And so when you're budgeting, 
And you said, Zaina, you said, I, I want to be able to splurge. So a lot of times people also, there's a lot of negative stigma around budgets. Oh, I'm, not, I'm only going to be able to eat rice and beans, all these things. No, you are actually really smart. And so you, you mentioned the word splurge. When you're budgeting and you are taking care of yourself, it's not a splurge. It's already in your budget. All of my clients, when we do budgets, I never leave a budget without spending money in it because it's absolutely ridiculous for you not to include something that's going to make you feel good because we're humans, like that, you know, yeah. it doesn't have to be a thousand dollars, this thing that you're spending on, which is also why I did the financial cost and joy analysis, because let's start thinking about what, what actually brings you joy and costs money. What brings you joy and doesn't cost money. And at what times, you know, depending upon your monetary situation, what thing are you going to pick to splurge on or to treat yourself on in that time? So yes, budgets are super, super important. They are not the end all be all. They are a plan that you are the leader of. You're telling your money where to go. So you should always know where's my money going and that I'm secure. So I have these, you know, tips about how to master payday. First, look at your account, see how much you got. Secondly, put some money in savings. Yes, I'm not, don't pay your bills first. Put some money in savings. It could be $5, $2, $250, $500, $1,000, whatever, but just automatically transfer it there. Number three, then let's look into your bills and your expenses. Add it up. Let's see what it is. That's how much money we're going to put into a, a bill account. Just an account where you're paying bills. It's all auto pay. It's all automatic. You're good. Number four, whatever is left over, that's your spending money. Spend that how you want. It doesn't have to be, oh, I don't know if I can afford it. You know you can afford it because your budget says you can afford to spend $500 this month on whatever you want. Use that as your limits. You know, we talk in Islam, it, you know, it's all about limits. And we should have limits with our money as well, just like we have limits with our modesty, we have limits with our faith, with, you know, even eating and things like that. So yeah, we need to have limits with our money too, but you set those limits. You have power over your budget. I love that 100%. I think I used to kind of budget, but I used to do it in my notes yeah. notes app in my phone, but I would only list my bills and I'd say when it's going to get paid because I'd know which paycheck is going to go to which bill. But I think I kind of like didn't do the full budgeting plan. I just only listed my like debts and stuff like that. I guess I or my bills, but I didn't think about savings, like putting money into my savings account. And this is something that you've said, Kenya, it's you pay yourself first. And I love that idea of savings. I feel like sometimes when we think of savings, it's like, oh, I can't touch that money. It, is it really mine? No, it is yours. You're actually, you're, it's your account. You're actually paying yourself. And I know budgets can be scary because for me they were, because it's like, yeah, you're listing everything right now that you're dealing with, like all the, all the bills you have to pay. And it can be scary, but I think it's just so much more mature and professional and you have more control of your life when you can list those things and know where your money's going to, going where, instead of just taking out that credit card all the time and just swiping it everywhere you go. And I used to have such a bad habit with that. So when it comes to budgeting, what can we start out with? Do we just start out with just writing down all of the bills that we owe? And then and then also for a savings account, does this vary from person to person? How much of a percentage of our yes, checks should we put into our savings question. account? I love that. I love that. Okay. So for the budget, where should you start? Let's get it. Let's get, you know, to the basics, get a piece of paper and a pen out. Like you just said, write out all of your bills. When are they due? How much is it? Write out your debts as well, all the credit cards, you know, the student loan account, whatever other auto car payment, all of it. Let's just write it out. Then we can just add add up our expenses and see how much is our, you know, how much are we spending just to live? Just each month, how much does it cost for us to survive and live, et cetera? 
Then let's look at your income. Well, how much are you getting paid? You know, how much money is coming in? That's and then we we can start looking at those numbers and see are you living above your means or are you doing pretty good? You're living below your means, but you're you know blowing all of your extra money and you're not saving anything. So that's where you just get started. List list out all the expenses and it's scary because we start to see ourselves. We start to see, oh, maybe I don't need to live in this two-bedroom apartment all by myself, paying, you know, right in the middle of the city. You know, maybe I didn't need to get that car that, you know, I'm paying $400 a month for. You know, they, these things start coming up for us. And we start seeing, you know, not necessarily mistakes, but we start seeing, oh, I could have did something better. But that's hard to look at when you're already in the situation. It's like, I can't change it now. I got the car. You know, I'm, I'm in the home. My lease doesn't end till whenever I'm here. Okay, so we're here. We're holding ourselves accountable. We see it. How can we move forward in a positive, healthy way? We're going to do it with the budgeting. Now you talked about saving the percentage that you want to use it with your savings. I tell you, I hated this percentage thing. <laughs> Because I was like, well, but I need, because of the percentages, you know, people say you need a 30% for wants, 20 for needs, blah, 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 blah. It is, it's going to vary by person. And the best way to uh, figure out your savings number is not necessarily a percentage, but, you know, we looked at those expenses, right? And we yeah. added all that. That's how much you need to live for a, a month. Now let's see, save at least one month of that. Have that in savings one month of your expenses so that you can say, if something were to happen, I lose my job, you know, I, I get in an accident, I can't work or whatever, I quit my job, I can live for a month. Then once you meet that goal, let's push it to two, let's push it to three, then let's pause and, you know, pay some debts, you know, make sure we celebrate our successes a little bit because a lot of, a lot of my clients, they, they, their successes were, wow, I finally have this in my savings account. I've never been able to get to a thousand or even 2000 or 5,000. I'm like, you, you did that. You know, you, you did this. I'm only helping people and guiding them, but it's really all their actions. So once you're at three, do a little pause, you know, let's slow down for a minute and then let's get right back in at four, five, six. Right now I'm working on creating my six month emergency fund because I'm, you know, I'm quitting my job. It's kind of scary. But also I have very low expenses. So it's kind of a bit easier for me to achieve that. And I, that's another thing with savings. People get frustrated when they can't meet their savings goal. And a lot of times it's because one, they've made this arbitrary number like, oh, I need to save $20,000 or 50,000, $30,000. Why? Where did you get this number from? What? How does it help you? Because you could have $30,000 in the bank, but you don't know anything about your expenses or your means. And then you spend it on a vacation. I live below my, I don't have a lot of expenses. And so it's easy for me to reach my savings goal, but for people who are living above their means, it is going to be harder for them to reach their savings goals. I never realized how many people, and sometimes this is out of their control, but how many people are living paycheck to paycheck? And I mean, you could have a six-figure job and you're still living paycheck to paycheck. And I think budgeting helps us kind of point us in the direction of where we need to improve and it's like a lens, like, and sometimes that lens is just giving us a blurry vision and it kind of like tells us where we need to improve, what areas we can maybe scale back on. And I think this is something that I'm definitely going to be implementing in my life because at the moment I'm not. Well, that, that's true <laughs> what you said, that somebody can have six figures yeah. and still feel like they're not making, I knew enough people like that, honestly, <laughs> like you, you know that they get paid well, but then they have all these crazy massive credit card bills because they are living above their means even yes you can live above a six-figure you know whatever salary but we have to hone in on our expenses and not let allow our expenses to get out of hand everything that you're buying do you really need it like when it comes to a car 
buy a car that's within your means and you decide I want a Mercedes Benz like really think about that because that's that's a huge bill that you're gonna have to foot every month because that's the thing I think a lot of people struggle is like where do I put my money do I put it more in my savings or do I pay my expenses and that's it's just it's a it's such a struggle but I think we have to start out with our expenses you, you have to really make smart choices and make smart purchases because all this stuff is not going away once you sign your name on that dotted line that expense is yours now yeah. it's like now you have to really pay it off and like you said earlier maybe put it maybe you can't start out with putting a month of your expenses into your savings account but start small you guys we work too hard to allow our money to control us or to feel like all this money that we worked hard for is money that's not earned or money that we can keep for ourselves or feel like it's ours you know it's, exactly. it's really it's difficult that was another thing. In the beginning, I was pissed because I was like, I was seeing myself paying, even during my debt-free journey, I'm paying, you know, thousands of dollars each month to my credit card. And I'm like, dang, this could have been my money in my account not going towards your credit card. So yeah, that really motivated me to be like, I need to be done with this. Payday is super important. I think that's also the starting it's my point, favorite day of the week. <laughs> yeah, but now when it comes to budgeting, yeah, we true. have to really like honestly focus on our payday. Because yeah, for me, it was like, ooh, I got paid today. Yeah. The first thing you think of is like, I feel relaxed now mm -hmm. because when I go out to dinner with my friends, like I don't have to think twice. But it's like, no, you should think twice, three times. How important is payday? I know you kind of touched upon it, but what are the things, the really important things that we should do on payday? You said to obviously pay ourselves first and then kind of go down the list. Yes. Reason I say the first step is looking your account is because you want to see if there's any discrepancies because maybe you got paid a little bit more, but you're already overspending that you don't even see that extra money that you got paid because you you're you're used to overspending or maybe you got paid a little less and you need to check, you know, HR what you got you need to know where we stand all the time then yes put some money into savings hopefully before you know, you've already kind of determined how much you want to save based upon your emergency fund savings goal so if i need to have three thousand dollars in my emergency fund you know then this month for 12 months i need to be putting in oh i know 250 i need 250 month i need to put into my bank uh, my savings account so put your savings away transfer it to a different bank account not a bank not your checking account not a checking account that has a debit card put it in a savings account far away from you and then three start paying your bills you know especially if the statement the bill statement has already come pay that bill your the money's there go ahead and pay it or yeah. you could wait for automatic payments, whatever makes you feel the most comfortable. And you mentioned like payday comes, I feel relaxed because when I go out to dinner, I'm not gonna worry about it. Well, what if you felt that way every day of the month? Not just payday. And your savings and budgeting and being on a very clear, you know, path with your money, that will help you feel that all the time. Like I don't ever check my bank account. I mean, I do. I do. I check it every day because that's what I like to do. But you could get to a point where you're never checking your bank account because you know your money is where it needs to be and how you want to spend it. Like that financial security or that financial relief can happen all the time. I used to always laugh at that meme about Chipotle when they say uh, guac is an extra dollar and you're like, yeah, I don't care. Like I'm, I'm at that point in my life. Like I don't have to look twice at my bank account, charge me for that guac. I used to think that meme was so funny, but it's so true. Like you want to get to a point where yes, you're checking your account for obviously inaccuracies and whatnot, but you are not so stressed out about your account, stressed out about making the next bill on time or anything like that. But the one thing I think that also all of us are really focusing on, and I think, I don't know if this is true, but is it just this country that really focuses on 
credit scores nobody else has credit scores or am i oh wrong? i didn't know that Very true yeah oh, wow did you know i was like what the heck that is crazy can we talk about credit scores yeah. and credit cards how do we increase our credit scores how can we be better about our credit <laughs> card payments and just owning a credit card being a responsible credit card holder so first off, what is a credit score? A credit score is essentially just a score on your responsibility and your ability to pay back debts. It does not impact, you know, what well, she makes a lot of money or yada yada. It's can you pay off debts? If we give you some money, will you pay me back? Essentially, you know, we all have those friends where it's like, oh no, you don't have to, you know, pay me back when you can. And we also have those friends where like, okay, make sure you pay me back on Friday. You yeah. know, <laughs> you, what do you need a credit score for to get more debt? You need a credit score for getting get a credit card to get a car loan to get a mortgage. You don't need a, a credit score to get student loans, which that is a whole nother issue. Yes. <laughs> But yes, for lenders, so you can get be lended money. And then uh, what determines your credit score? So first off, your payment history. Do you make on-time payments every time, all the time? Um, usually if you miss a, like a couple, you're, you should be fine. But like missing payments repeatedly is not good. How much credit are you using? So if you have 10,000 in credit, whether that's, oh, actually, I'm just going to say credit cards because an auto loan is not necessarily considered credit, nor is student loan because you can't, you can take out more student loans, but you don't have like a number sitting here saying like, oh, you can take out 60,000 student loans if you've already taken out 30. Like, it's not like that. So let's just focus on credit cards. So how much are you using your debt? If you're using more than 30% of your debt, that's a bad thing. You know, people are like, oh, she's using too much. She needs too much. Um, you're being kind of needy. But if you're less than that, then you're good. You also have a good payment history more than likely. And then the length of your credit history is not as important. So it's like, how long have you had credit? The credit scores are so funny to me because it's all about credit, credit, credit. Like what? How would I, so I, you know, I always say when I do have kids, inshallah, I'm going to start them a credit card very like at five i'm gonna add them to my card as an authorized user so they're building credit from a very young age i didn't get my first credit card till i graduated college at like 21 so my credit my my credit history my length of my credit age or whatever is pretty low but again this is not as important i know a lot of people who have like one credit card that they just got like last year, but they pay well on it and they don't use all the utilization and they have beautiful credit. And then new credit and mixed credit. So if you're getting a lot of credit at one time, that's a bad look. It means, oh, you look really desperate, essentially. <laughs> like she must need this credit for something. And then uh, people are say like, well, I have an auto loan and I have a student loan and I have credit cards. That should be a good thing, it's diverse. If you want that debt, then sure, that's great. That's fine. But you don't have to have any of these things. But the, the sad thing is, though, in this country, you have to have a credit score to get an apartment, to get good insurance. Sometimes your you know, potential employers are going to look at your credit score. And so it's really being used also as a means of like a barriers is access, barriers to access to things. So we do need good credit. As Even if, you know, you're someone, I don't ever, ever want to take out loans, blah, blah, blah. Unfortunately, you still need a good credit score to get an apartment and that might not be a loan, you know, even to get a used car sometimes or to get a good rate on your car insurance. How do you build your credit? On-time payments, stay below 30%. And I know a lot of people are like, well, I only want one or two cards. But those cards, the credit limits are like $500. So you only have $1,000 of available credit. Get another credit uh, card. I'm serious. You're going to 
expand your credit limits. It's going to see as, you know, the more credit you have and you're using it responsibly, oh, we can really trust this person. We want to give her more credit. Here's a credit card deal. Here's an auto loan. Refinance your mortgage, stuff like that. So yeah, that's essentially the best ways to build your credit. And if you have things in collections, either call the collections agency and ask them, hey, can I get on like a $25 a month payment plan if you can't afford any more? Can we talk about that, Kenya? Like collections is super important because a lot of us, sometimes our stuff gets sent to collections. Either we don't take this bill seriously and we just ignore it. And then mm -hmm. we realize, well, no, there's well, in this country, you can't yeah. run away from your bills because they're going to make sure <laughs> they ruin your credit score. And collections is the number one way kind of right to ruin your credit score. Yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah, so if you're if you're if a, an account goes into collections, it's going to be a negative remark on your credit because it essentially says, "Well, you didn't pay this debt when you said you were going to." And so you can ask I like I remember when I was in college, I had a had medical debt, um and I just paid 25 or 50 dollars a month until it was paid off. Then there may be bigger debts, like a lot of store credit cards get sent to collections, funny enough. And so call the collector and ask, can I settle this debt for maybe a fraction at what I owe? Because a lot of times they really just want you to pay something or to be paying on it. So if they say no to that, I would actually then get into someone to do, like, to do it on your behalf. So that's credit repair, which that's not exact. That's not what I do, but there are credit repair companies out there. I have some that I recommend. However, overall, I don't really like credit repair companies because they take a lot of time, they take a lot of your money, and you you're not going to get results very quickly a lot of times. But there is a there's a couple of credit actually there's two credit repair companies that I know, black women own businesses that do specifically credit repair. Mm -hmm. Um yeah. And so after that, you know, the credit repair person, they can do it themselves. They're communicating with the debtor. They're trying to get it, you know, pretty much settled for a lower price. And if that doesn't work, just pay off your debt. Or, or if you're like, I'm good, you know, I got my house, I got my car. I don't, I don't really need my credit score anytime soon. It's going to fall off in seven years. So this is a tip for people that want to move abroad, but you feel as though your credit score, your collections are hindering you. It's stressing you out, blah, blah, blah. First off, you don't, you don't need a credit score abroad. You, no one, no one's looking at your ex, your Equifax and Experian and all of that. Secondly, so, so a lot of people say, well, what if I want to return to the States? Okay. Well, if you want to return to the States and you want to get an apartment, you want to get some more credit, know that this collection stuff drops off after seven years. So maybe you need to take a seven year hiatus from the United States, <laughs> then come back and try and, and start over. So it is going to drop off. So it may, or, or it's been on there for five years at this point. And you're just like, you know what? I'll just take t two years, you know, build my credit in other ways and not worry about it. And so, yeah, that's collections. I do, I quickly want to talk about student loans and your credit score. Student loans do not positively impact your credit score. People think, well, oh, I have these loans, like I have diverse credit, blah, blah, blah. No, no one cares. However, they do negatively impact your credit if you don't pay on them. If you go into default, that's going to be a negative remark on your credit score. And, you know, the IR or the government Department of Education can go as far as taking your wages to pay these student loans. So always be current on your student loans. Don't think that because you have student loans, you're going to have good credit. Unfortunately, they don't really count as heavy as like credit cards or loans or um, auto loans and mortgages and stuff like that. 
I have to give a major shout out to my mom because at 17, she took me to Wells Fargo, opened up a credit card for me. I wasn't allowed to like swipe it freely. I was just, you know, buying gas, paying it off at the end of the month. But she really did teach me the importance and unfortunately the weight that America puts on our credit score. And this is something that I check monthly. I have credit karma and I'm always checking because sometimes things are charged on your account when you don't, like you said, like you don't realize that you have this bill to pay and you can catch it instantly and and fix that problem. So I do want to give a major shout out to my mom for like instilling that value in me. It is because, but it's like you, yeah, you need a lot of self-control when you start that credit card at at such a young age, even even sometimes at an adult age when you open up the first time in college you know what I mean you think you're an adult but it's you think of it as like almost like invisible money you're just yeah, swiping, swiping money. but it's like no you kind of have to end up paying this off and to your point when it comes to student loans like yeah these loan companies are giving you $60,000 not because they think that you can pay it back it's because they yeah they kind of want to screw you over like here's 60k take it and if, if it's more than what you wanted still keep that and it's like that's the one thing, Kenya, I did horribly with um, when I was, I believe, like in community college, when I got like a little bit of financial aid. And if they asked me if I wanted a little bit more, I would take it. And it was so wrong because to me, what did I do with that money? I mean, I didn't put it in a savings account or anything like that. I was just spending it. But it's like, it's it's not okay. And when it comes to these loans, do not take more than you need. Oftentimes we think that we're doing ourselves a good thing by taking more. Might as well, I'm paying it off either way. No, but it's just like, you don't even put into consideration the, the interest rate and the principal and all that stuff that comes alongside that extra money. Yeah, I want to first start with mortgages. You know, your bank is going to tell you, you got approved for a $250,000 mortgage, but the house you want is only 160,000. So why do you need all of that 250 to buy a bigger house now? No, you know what you want, you know what you need. Don't take any more because it's not invisible money. It's your money down the line. You're essentially saying, I'm gonna owe you for 30 years. And you're essentially saying all this money coming you know, in the future, that's already someone else's money. That's not your money. So what you're doing, you go to work, you're working for your job, you're working for your credit card company, you're working for your mortgage bank, you're working for everybody else but yourself. And that, you know, where the stress comes in, the depression, the anxiety, you know, and then we could talk about financial trauma as well, which usually starts in childhood, but it can occur in adulthood as well. Consolidating student loans. That is such a deeper topic. But the best thing about consolidating student loans is mostly for private student loans. If you're going to consolidate, you need to do it with private student loans. Private student loans are like the devil. Mm -hmm. They're really hard to get out of. They're hard to refine it. Like you want to consolidate those so that you can have lower monthly payments. Federal student loans, you need to get on an income-based repayment plan so you can get the minimum payment as possible like as possible and then pay it monthly and and just let it sit on the wayside until you're done with your credit card debt your car debt and any home debt because as long as you're paying it you're fine i do know some people that you know they look at that debt and they're like no 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 it feels like a a stain on my heart on my life i'm gonna pay it off that's great pay it off but if you don't want to pay it off like completely i mean continue to pay monthly then don't feel like it i've helped so many people release that weight and stress off their shoulders of, oh my God, I'm, I'm never going to pay this off. I have to pay these off. What will the, who will I be if I don't pay these off? You'll be fine. Everybody has student loan debt. I think that's my that's my biggest issue, Can it Literally right now, looking at everything, alhamdulillah, like I reached a point, my only debt is my student loan debt. And it is. It is a stain on your heart. It really stresses me out when I look at it. And I just like, and like I told you in, in the beginning, I'm struggling. Like, do we pay it off? Do we not pay it off? Like, I don't know what to do. Like, if we do end up paying it off, but then they say they're canceling student loan debt, do we 
get that money but i don't know we're we live in such a confusing country honestly i doubt if they cancel it you'll get that money back but Mm -hmm. so these are the questions i would and to to better answer that question for yourself these are what i would ask you do you have an amount of savings that you're comfortable with do you want to start you know would you rather pay off all your student loans i don't know how much it is but let's just say forty thousand. would you rather pay forty thousand and then be free of paying anything or would you rather invest 40000 and start creating, you know, that wealth, start creating that passive income? So that's why for me personally, I will help whoever, whatever they want to do with their loans, I'm going to help you. But for me personally, student loans are the very last financial priority for me because it's a low interest debt. I have a very low payment for it. And I'm trying to, and I'm building my business where it's going to get to a point where I'm going to pay off my loans with one click one check so, you know inshallah inshallah you know while i'm you know sitting here i'm not gonna be twiddling my thumbs i'm saving 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 investing 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 for it to help me you know be able to pay off these loans in one check so yes take that stress off of you you know think about what's most important to you right now and i think with covid saving and that financial security is most important not paying your student loans down because you're right we don't know if they're going to cancel it when they're going we don't know Thank you so much for that, Kenya, because honestly, it brought ease to my heart because I think we do overemphasize these student loans. But like you said, be responsible, pay your monthly payment, sign up for that um, income driven repayment plan, Mm -hmm. which I've done before, too, which is awesome. Because honestly, as soon as they find out you're done and you graduated six months later, you're getting all these bills coming through. They do not forget you. They know where you live. Congratulations on graduating. Now you owe us money. (laughs) I was like, this is the best graduation (laughs) gift ever. But I want to take a step further. Like, I I like that you talked about consolidating our loans. That was really, really helpful. Um, And or what we should consolidate and whatnot, because when it comes to student loans, I feel like everybody's stressed out because we all have it. So it's you're not the only person we shouldn't feel as stressed as we are how about investing i think saving is so important i think that's like the baby step that's a good step to take and everything and i don't want to even say baby steps it's actually a really important step to take but how do we take it to the next level of actually investing i think sometimes women of color and or minority groups we don't think of investing we think that's not me that's not where i come from we don't do investing but no we live in this country so what important steps action steps should we take when it comes to investing how should we you know get our feet wet the easiest investment is the investment in yourself so that's you know going to college getting a financial coach or financial some help getting help in anything a a coach a business coach a therapist a physical trainer you getting a training certification all that investing in yourself for your future the next best way to invest which a lot of people are doing it they don't even know is your retirement account yes (laughs) Retirement accounts are literally just buckets for investments. So people say like retirement versus investing, but it's kind of the same thing because in your retirement account, the money that you put in your retirement, usually, you know, if you have a 401k or 403b, it's going to get kind of like separated into different investments, stocks, bonds, real estate, mutual funds, etc. You're investing. You have a retirement account, you're investing. If you're self-employed or you're young, um, the very so you don't get an a 401k or something like that from your employer. You need a Roth individual retirement account, a Roth IRA, which you can put in at this year. You can put in six thousand dollars into this account each year. So start putting put that money in your retirement accounts, especially if you have a company match. Oh my! 
that's double money. That's free money that you're getting. And it's yours. It's not, it's nobody but yours. So invest into your retirement account up until the company match. Then invest, invest into your individual account. So your your Roth IRAs, if you're self-employed, a SEP IRA or a SEP 401k, like I'm self-employed. And also the reason why you need to be doing this and, and so importantly is because it's ta they're tax advantaged accounts. What does that mean? Meaning if I put $6,000, you know, into my Roth, that I can potentially have a $6,000 deduction for my taxes. So essentially, I don't have to pay as much taxes. The same thing for my 401k or 403b investments. It's tax advantage, meaning I also meaning I don't pay any taxes right now. So if you look at your pay stub, you have a 401k account, you see that money gets taken out before taxes gets taken out. So you will have to pay taxes for it, you know, with, at 59 and a half. Um, when that's the time you have to start taking money out of it, but you're getting this tax-free money now. And then, yeah, and then the third way to invest is like brokerage accounts. So that's when we see like stocks and bonds and stuff like that. And the best way, easiest way, especially as a beginner, as a as an older person, I suggest getting into index funds. So index funds are low cost, uh, like costs to like manage, someone else to manage them for you, it's low cost fees, all of that. But, you know, over time, you're going to get a good return on your investment. So I always tell my clients the two best things with investing is one is time. Start early. Don't take any money out of your retirement or your investment accounts. Stay in that thing till you're ready to retire or you've reached a point where you're like, I have enough money to support myself. I don't even have to work. You're financially independent. You can now retire early if you so choose. Um, the second most important thing is don't feel like you have to know how the market works. You were never going to know. It's another thing. The economy is always, you know, by the sake of a law, <laughs> going to be up and down. It's always going to be up and down. And we, we're never going to be able to predict, well, oh, we're going we're gonna to get a slump now. Let me take my money out. Or we're, I'm going to the high now. Let me take my money out. Or this company is going to do well. Or this company is going to do well. Just just let it sit there in an index fund because index funds are essentially a share of all of the businesses in like the Dow stock exchange and stuff like that. I learned all of this stuff from the book, The Simple Path to Wealth by J.L. Collins. Okay. It's a great book. I did it by audiobook. It was quick and easy. I really suggest everyone who's listening to me right now, don't just take my word from it. Read this book, do your research. And then if you want some help, like implementing these things, yeah, reach out to me. You want some reassurance that this may be the best way for you, reach out to me. But that's it. Investing yourself, make sure you're investing in retirement and then start investing in stocks and bonds and stuff. And also, I forgot to mention this because I don't really do it as much, real estate investment. Say you want to move from your home. You're either going to sell your home or maybe you want to do rental income. You want to rent it out. I have a friend who wants, he's in the military. He wants to buy a house in every place that he gets stationed at. I think it's absolutely amazing. He rents them out wherever he goes. Or even better, you can buy a multi-unit property. So essentially you have a duplex or like a building with like four renters in it and you're getting money there. You're getting their rent money that pays for your mortgage. Hopefully you're getting a little bit more than that. And that can go towards savings, extra payments for your, towards your mortgage or for you. That's passive income. Mm -hmm. You know, that that's how you start. And it's really easier than we make it out to be. 
I was about to say that it's doable. This is all doable. Some people might be stressed listening to this or anything like that. I feel so calm because you're really helping me out, Kenya. <laughs> we really, sometimes you got to put things into perspective. Like we avoid things and we make them so much bigger and scarier than they yes. really are. But when you think about it, like, yeah, start with baby steps. Start investing in index funds. You don't have to be somebody that's watching the stock market every single day. That's not what is being asked of you. But get your feet wet in those stern, like, you know, markets and stuff like that. And I think it's it's truly, truly helpful. And real estate, definitely. I think that's when you if you can reach a point where you can buy yourself purchase yourself a property like that uh whatever complex like that that's amazing because that is passive income to some people or it could pay your current mortgage in the house that you're living with and you know what i mean it's awesome i know a lot of people that do that i read an article a while back about how this family they essentially bought a home and fixed it up for their kids when they went off to college because it was so much cheaper than living, you know, on campus. So it's crazy. But I will say, you said, you know, you know, some people might be stressed listening to this because it's it's hard to implement. You know why it's so hard to implement is because the knowledge that's out there about it is confusing as yes. ever. And also we never see, we rarely see anybody that looks like us do these things in the way that America has set it up. There are a lot of cultural things that happen that are investing, that are community economics, that are, you know, saving money. But in the American perspective, these things and how to do them and why should we even do them, we don't see anybody that does it. And so that's another reason why I started, you know, being a financial coach. I wanted people to know I've probably been where you've been. I will say I've never had a car loan payment. Thankfully, alhamdulillah. I never had anything in collections, but I can connect you to people who've been in that experience. I understand that experience. I wanted people to know I've been where you've been. I'm a relatable person. I'm not, you know, this rich, unaccessible person. And thirdly, I will explain to you the things that are so confusing in a way that is understandable and relatable to your situation, not just, you know, we'll stop, we'll stop buying Starbucks. I don't even drink it. I don't even go to Starbucks. You know, yeah, like yeah. what does that have to do with my money? Or stop buying avocado toast and yeah, all that stuff. Oh my it's gosh. like, that doesn't relate to everybody, but there's different ways that you can kind of change your life. I think we definitely need to owe it to ourselves, to our, even our ancestors, to our even current community that we're from, to really take control of our money and not allow it to control us. I think we, we become so powerful if we obviously attain this wealth and we can be in control of our wealth and we can come together as a community and not allow anybody to kind of buy us out, basically. And I exactly. think that happens a lot within our communities where we feel like we're getting bought and we see our own people sometimes rooting for people that we don't want them rooting for but again they're getting paid large amounts of money for that you know what I mean so it's just like inshallah we can come together and we can get more educated I think there's just so much learning to do and it's always a good thing that's part of Islam knowledge is power and that's what we're always taught I think we also have to start talking about money more openly because like we don't have especially as millennials we don't really talk about our struggles and what we're making and what we're spending and what's coming in and what's going out and I feel like having that open conversation of you know I might have knowledge on, on debt that Dunya doesn't know and, and sharing what I know can help save Dunya thousands of dollars in the future so I feel like we need to throw away that taboo and and be more open about it. Let's go further than just sharing our salaries. You know yeah. what I mean? Because when I when I was at the wing, it was all white women, and I mean, obviously that's a controversy in itself. But it was like it was all like white women, and all, they were just so excited about like let's just share salaries with one another. I'm like, yeah, but there, it's just much more deeper than that. Like, how is that going to help a woman of color or a black woman or a minority woman or immigrant woman just sharing her salary? Okay, cool. She's going to go talk to her manager, and I, I'm for that. I think yeah, obviously share your salaries, but for our community, it, it needs to go. The the education needs to go 
go a little bit deeper. We need to go beyond just sharing salaries because sometimes like there isn't equity within the business or whatever no, company you're working for. It, your your company can look diverse, but what about the equity part? You know, so rarely equity in our job, our workplaces. There's definitely not equity in this country. And and I mean, you all, you both said this. This is what, again, this is why I do what I do. It's not so that we're all rich living, you know, having super sized yachts and stuff like that. No, I do this for our community. Yes. This is a, this is a movement. I'm ready to break through the taboo of not talking about money, of feeling like money is, money is, has this power over our lives. We've gotten to the point where money is more important than we think money is more important than life itself. No. We have not, we weren't given this time on this earth so that we could stress about money. What? No, we're, we're, we're worth inherently as people more than that. And so we talk about it's deep, it's deeper than budgeting. It's deeper than your credit score. It's deeper than retirement and investing in wealth. It really gets down to your soul. Are you happy? What's going on? Are you helping? Are you able to help your friends and your family when they need it? Are there, are there people able to help you? Can you educate people that came after you and people that came before you? You know, it's, it's so much more. And I just, I was tired of seeing people, I was tired of struggling and seeing other people struggle. And I'm like, this could be so easy. Let me just help you. Or just investing in our own communities too, to be honest, bringing that money, making that money, but bringing it back to our communities instead of giving it to community, other communities are already well off that this country was already made for that. Everything is so easy for them. Let's give it back to the communities, our own communities that need this. So I, yeah. I feel like the more we educate ourselves, the more we're helping our communities, our families, and just future generations to come, honestly, just to have savvy and sound future generations that know what to do with their money and how to invest it back, reinvest it into our communities. I think that's incredible. Yeah. And we know that. We know that there's power in numbers. It's There's so much Absolutely. power when we come together like that and we just help one another. It does honestly take a village it really does i can't thank you enough kenya for this conversation i absolutely loved it as soon as i seen your profile i'm like zayna oh my yes. god yes I, <laughs> I never even thought about this topic but i'm like we have to we have to talk about this i'm like i know a lot of our listeners want to talk about financial stuff and honestly i was scared to talk about it. i'm like i don't know where we would even where to begin. start and yeah but Kenya, if you can shout out your Instagram page, because your Instagram page is just so easy to read, the concepts, everything, like I learned so much. I mean, that's what I based, honestly, the outline on. So it, mm-hmm. it's a lot of useful information. If you can just, yeah, shout it out or any other social media outlets that you're on too. You can uh, find me on Instagram. That's where I'm most uh, popular and active at Kenya, K-E-N-Y-A, period, Imani, I-M-A-N-I. I am a financial coach and a financial healer. So we do go deeper than money. We talk about, you know, what's holding you back. We talk about that financial trauma that you might have went through as a child that may be impacting you as an adult. And then we we get past those things. We heal past those things and we move into uh, abundance, bringing that into your life. I actually, right now, now I have a couple of spots open for my very first group coaching um, program, which is broke to woke one-on-one. So you're don't, I don't use the term broke. I never feel broke because I'm woke about my money. Yes. hundred percent. We I all need to be that. like that. <laughs> um, I do have a couple of spots left. Uh, that link is in my bio to apply for it. The application is really 
like three minutes long and it's just me trying to understand are you ready what's going on how are you feeling can I be the coach to help you because I don't I just don't want to like work with anybody just to work with someone I want us to be a good match you know and down the line uh, inshallah I hope to do a master class deeper into student loans so how you can you know get a zero dollar a month payment how you can make a plan to pay them off what is what is all these this jargon mean so that will be a master class one-time session on zoom and then also i will be debuting um other coaching opportunities down the line as well That's moving awesome. past money and into our personal power what do you want to do in life and how can we get there? That's incredible. Like it's like the financial therapy that we never knew yeah. we needed, but yeah. here you yeah. go. Because honestly, we talk about therapy and everything, but what about financial therapy? Finding finding an actual financial advisor that can truly help you out. And I like that you started out with getting to know the person before just jumping and diving into like, okay, well, this is what you need to save and blah, blah, blah. So I absolutely love that. Thank you so much, Kenya. Honestly, we truly appreciate you. And we're so grateful for you to come on here and just to give us all this wisdom and all these advice and tips and stuff like that. It's, You've, you're helping so many women. Thank you so much. I'm truly honored. I think it was an amazing conversation. I, <laughs> you are not stressed. If you are stressed, just DM me on Instagram. No, this was better than a massage. I love yeah. that. I was like, yes. Student loans, what? Okay, I'll still pay them, but you know, whatever. Because talking about this is self-care because yes. we're investing in our future. We're investing in what happens down the line. And I'm going to be sure to link all of your, your social medias and all that websites down in the description so you guys can find that because this was such a helpful and interesting conversation. Especially the masterclass because I was going to ask you about that. But due to COVID, it's awesome. You can still have it on Zoom. And I think this is what we need more of these masterclasses. No shade to the beauty community with their masterclass, but this is the masterclass yes. that we really need because we definitely we need a glow up from the inside out and financial stress is not a good look for anybody so thank you kenya we love you you're amazing and i'm so grateful that we've crossed paths thank you thank you so much You know, this conversation was a long time coming. I'm glad that we finally got Kenya on our podcast to discuss our finances. You know, we're all about empowering women on this podcast. And what better way to empower someone than to give them the tools they need to manage their finances. I feel like this is something that we aren't really equipped with going forward in life. You know, we go to school, we get married, we have all these unexpected bills and and all these unexpected you know, money issues that we're faced with, and we don't know how to handle them because we don't know what the first step in managing our finances really is. When we were having this conversation with Kenya, I realized, and when you talked about student loans and financial aid, like we were filling these forms out with zero bit of knowledge about what we're filling out. All we knew is we're going to get money just so we can go through the school year and pay for our books, pay for our classes. But you didn't know what you were signing up for. You didn't even know what interest rates were. It's very scary. It's like, um, my brother's going to college now, so obviously he has older sisters who are a little bit more knowledgeable and will definitely help him out with that because, you know, it's not okay to do that to, like, the kids of America who want to get an education and here they are signing up for all this debt and little do they know what they're signing up for. No, and, and I'm trying to think back to my senior year in high school and nobody ever sat us down and said, this is financial aid, this is the difference between financial aid and loans, this is what interest is. Like, they've never ever mentioned any of that to us and it was kind of just like sending us off blind into the world not really knowing 
what we had to do next and you know once that graduation day comes like what happens now and it's it's a scary time i think for a lot of kids i want a part two for this conversation and i i want it to be towards the women who are married who just got married who've been married and what do you do with your finances do you share a bank account with your husband do you not share a bank account somebody once told me i'm not going to mention her name but i was much younger she was much older than me and she was married like happily married and she's like i don't care how happy you are in your marriage you keep a separate account and i'm like yeah she's like you never know what might happen and i'm like that's so so true obviously i got a divorce like i know what could happen and it's like yeah good thing i had my separate account but i feel like that's going to be another whole episode to talk about finances when you do get married what we should do with our finances what we should do with our bank accounts and everything like that but for the time being Kenya, who was our incredible guest for this episode, has an exclusive offer for our listeners. I know there are a lot of women right now that are starting their own business or a lot of women who are dealing with their business during this pandemic or somebody just like you and I, Zaina, who I guess we don't have a business. We have this podcast, (laughs) but we have our personal finances. She is offering a bunch of different classes. Um, Like we said, she is a financial coach educator, consultants, and healer. And I think that's the part that we are always missing is the healing part. Yeah, I mean, we don't talk about financial trauma at all. Like I didn't even know that existed until very recently. So the fact that there's someone out there and someone from our own community who understands what we go through and what we've been through, who can help us navigate that, I think that's such an empowering thing. Yeah, so some of the sessions she is providing is financial strategy sessions. Those are 90-minute one-time sessions to get an overview of your finances. She also helps you you create a strategy moving forward, which is incredible. Sometimes you just need that 90-minute session just to, you know, get a high-level overview of your expenses and, and bills and income and all that good stuff. She also provides intuitive financial healing sessions, which we just talked about. I think those are super important. She also has an eight-week group coaching program, and Zaina loves the name of it. It's called Broke to Woke one I love it so much. <laughs> I absolutely love it, too. She provides one-on-one financial coaching. And for our listeners, she has a very exclusive program that's coming up. It's for beta clients basically one-on-one business and life coaching. She's giving 50% off for that. But on top of that 50% off, she's also allowing us to give you guys a promo code, which is going to be unfiltered, fully spelled out, U-N-F-I-L-T-E-R-E-D, for 20% off. So you'll get the 20% off on top of the 50% off for the business and life coaching. And then all the other sessions that I mentioned, those are also 20% off. So you guys, make sure you guys check her out. Check out her Instagram. Again, it's Kenya.Imani. We'll definitely add that to the episode notes. If you have questions for her or anything like that, DM her, ask her for her prices, ask her for anything that you have questions on. So again, the promo code is unfiltered for 20% off. I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It was a really good conversation. Zaina has a big smile on her face I think she's about to go start her little budgeting plan yeah I feel like even if you're not struggling financially it's always good to have someone look at your budget look at you know what you're spending what's coming in and what's going out because you could be saving so much more money I feel like we don't realize how much money we're spending until someone really points out hey you don't need to buy lunch at work every day or you don't need to stop for a cup of coffee didn't you on your way to work like there's so much money that we're spending that we don't realize and I think it's really important Kenya told me because if I I budget than I could you spend could. Okay. $7 I'm sorry. on my coffee. Because I'm not the financial coach. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I love it. But it was such a good conversation. Thank you guys for tuning in every week. See you guys next week. Bye.